From USC, Philadelphia, uh, to 236 in Atlanta, Georgia. With the fight selections and the fight reflection, this is fighting with myself. Oh, 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 fighting with myself. Oh, 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 yeah. Woo! Welcome, everybody, to the inaugural, some would say introductory, anyway, the first episode of Fighting with Myself. I'm your host, Juice as I am uh, known by anyone who is a person, really. Um, my real name is Aaron, but you don't need to know that. So just call me Juice, okay? I say that because eventually you're going to find out my um, social media handle, which is um, on Twitter and Instagram. I'm on uh, Aaron-ish Jackson. And so the ish is because no one really calls me Aaron. I mean, let's be honest. It's a fucking terrible name, and it's biblical, and no one likes it. And they pronounce it wrong all the time and spell it wrong all the time. So I go by Juice. It's fucking infinitely better. Um, speaking of Twitter, I want to talk about sort of the inception of this podcast and and where it's uh, and where we're going to go from here. So... Um, I have another podcast with my best friend, one of my best friends, Andrew Dodson. Um, that uh, podcast is called Mixed Martial Opinions. So if you like that podcast and you came here for more of the same, that is not what this is. And I, well, I don't really apologize because I'm doing it anyway, but when <laughs> anyway, it's disrespectful. But that podcast, the theme, of it, it's more of a, a narrative of our friendship kind of because Andrew is not an MMA fan at all. And I am a big MMA fan. So my our goal with that podcast was to, um, every week or every episode, I make him watch old fights or focus on a specific fighter or a different aspect of MMA culture, um, give him some homework to research, and then we talk about it. And uh, we also get personal on that podcast, talk about my health, physical and mental, um, just talk about shit that's going on in our lives, like my upcoming wedding, you know, important shit, but I will try, the goal of this podcast is to separate that, so I really wanted to have a serious MMA podcast, and um, within a few episodes of recording my other podcast, Mixed Martial Opinions, um, it was was clear that it was going to be more of a comedy podcast than anything, because that that podcast isn't really an MMA podcast, it's more of a comedy podcast with an MMA theme, I would say, and and so I'm going to I, I was browsing Twitter, and um, there's a shout-out to um, No Turn Unstoned on Twitter. Uh, he does this thing every every fight night. It's called a follow train. You have to retweet the tweet, share the post, like it, and follow everyone that shares it. So I started on my, my Twitter account for this podcast, and um, FWM underscore pod on Twitter. And within fucking, and I, and I jumped on the follow train, within fucking minutes, I had more followers on that than I do on my main Twitter account, Aaron S. Jackson, which I have had for three years. And I was just like, oh my God, I feel like I've stumbled into a fucking paradise. Like, I have been active on 
Twitter, well, not really active, but I've been on it. <laughs> I've been on Twitter for three years, like I said, most, and I got it just so I could follow MMA. And then I started, you know, following other like actors and musicians that I care about or whatever. So my, my Twitter got a little like, you know, the streams got crossed a little bit. And um, I would see people talk about MMA on there. And I thought that was like part of MMA Twitter. And I was like, okay, cool. That's not what that is at all. I jumped on this follow train and all of a sudden I'm talking to people who fucking give a shit and they're like replying to my posts and we're talking about the, the fucking, the finishes and the fights and upcoming stuff going on. And I'm like, these are my fucking people, dude. This is it. We made it. I felt, I honestly felt, and and I, I wanted to watch the fights at a bar. I like to do that, kind of get the atmosphere, um, obviously get a little drunk. And I wanted to get the, you know, you get the atmosphere of like everyone in the room is like there for the same thing. And you're kind of just like, it's good camaraderie. But then sometimes people are talking and they don't really give a shit. And you can't hear the commentary, which pisses me off. So actually I ended up watching it at uh, my family's house. And I felt like all you guys on MMA Twitter were there with me at a bar. That's what I felt. It was fucking incredible so if you're listening to this podcast because you followed my twitter account that i started for this podcast um i can't thank you enough uh you're helping my dream and uh the goal of this podcast really is to provide you know after the fights there's always a sense of like oh fuck what now and and sometimes a crazy finish happens or or something controversial and you're like i don't know what to think and so I want this to be sort of an open forum. And by that, I mean, I'm obviously going to be the main voice on it, but I want to hear your voices as well. We'll get to that later. Um, I want to, you know, uh, I want us to talk about it. So I, w- I want to digest the fights. I want to g- kind of give a, a breakdown of everything that happened so we can talk about the whole f- the whole fights. And then I'll preview the next upcoming fight card. Sound good? Um, oh, and then also in between, I kind of want to talk about, um, some MMA current events. Although I I picked this week to to do this podcast because, um, I don't know when I'm going to be able to get it on all platforms and it's going to take a little while to get the distribution going. So, um, UFC had just, just, this is, um, April 1st, I'm recording this. So they just had, um, UFC Philadelphia this past Saturday. And then the upcoming weekend, there's a break. And then after that, I believe it's 236. So the big, you know, the next big pay-per-view. So that'll give us time to kind of, you know, hopefully (laughs) some of this will still be topical by the time it it drops. And um, I've been writing down, you know, current events and in MMA news that breaks, fight announcements, et cetera, as stuff gets announced. And it kept changing. I was like deleting shit. And I was like, God damn it. I really need to just fucking drop this podcast. So we're going to talk about some stuff that's still somewhat relevant. And um, hopefully that's going to still be relevant. So first, let's get to the UFC Philadelphia. Honestly, I saw some... So this is goes back to what I thought I was on MMA Twitter before. On my regular account, I would follow a lot of the um, MMA journalists, uh, and not just like Ariel Hawani, Brett Komodo, or whatever. I was like, I follow the Bloody Elbow people and Junkie and Middle Easy. I I try and get all the different Luke Thomas, obviously MMA those guys in MMA fighting, Sean Alshadi, Mark Ramundi. I mean, shout out to those guys putting out some great content. Danny Segura, you know. Guilherme Cruz, the Brazilian beast, um, great content and, uh, love their input on, on things. But this, the bloody elbow people are like, 
the most cynical people probably. Um, <laughs> and this guy like shared the um, Philadelphia card like a couple weeks before it announced. It was like, this is a shit card or something like that because there's not a lot of big names. I was like, dude, the fuck is wrong with you? I mean, at the top of the at the top of the bill, you got the fucking violence weight title on the line. Obviously, that's a fucking not a real thing. But I mean, dude, literally the two most violent fighters in the history of of the UFC probably matched up against each other. Are you kidding me? And then you had Josh Emmett making his return after that long layoff, after getting his face brutalized by Jeremy Stevens. Um, fucking. Michelle Watterson versus Carolina Kovalkiewicz. This is just like stuff I was excited for already, um, you know, before the fights. And obviously my man Paul Craig holding it down for Scotland. Fucking love that guy. And um, so I was just like, why are you so cynical? But, you know, as with every card, like I, I can remember UFC 206 in Toronto, okay, Head- headlined by Max Holloway and Anthony Pettis. Originally, no title was on the line. And then they um, they stripped Connor to make the interim featherweight, and then the whole thing pro and Aldo it was a whole business. But everyone before that card was like, "Oh, this is a shit card. It's too shallow, especially for a pay per view." And that was one of the best cards ever, dude. You had Cub Swanson versus Duho Choi in the fight of the century. Fucking Donald Cerrone versus Matt Brown. Are you kidding me? So there's, I mean. That's what I love about MMA. This sport is so unpredictable and it's so chaotic that anything could happen. I mean, I'm just, I, I honestly, I'm, I'm grateful for, for what we get to enjoy. And it feels like it's the best kept secret that only we know about. And that's why I'm, I'm happy to be doing this podcast for you guys. Um, and I hope you become a part of it. So that said, let's do a little bit of breakdown uh, as far as, the the fights not a not a breakdown but a, a recap, if you will. Um, hopefully you can't hear that. That's my cat. He's a fucking asshole. Um, I'll try not to talk about my personal life on this podcast. But one thing I can't not talk about is the fact that I have four cats because you're gonna hear them probably all the time. There's no stopping that until I get some pet CBD, maybe calm them down. So if there are any CBD companies out there listening, sponsor my fucking cats. <laughs> sponsor this podcast. I needs it. Uh, I also need it for my health. That's another issue. Um, anyway, so to talk about the – do a recap on UFC Philadelphia. I always try and watch the entire card top to bottom, the early prelims, all that. Um, so I, I, I watched the prelims on ESPN Plus, the early prelims, but then I couldn't um, – I couldn't uh, – I, I, I missed the ESPN prelims because I was doing a bunch of other shit. So if, if you want to talk about anything on that – to me about it i can maybe rewatch those fights we'll talk about it later um otherwise we're just going to really talk about the main card and some of those early prelims um i really like the sabina mazo fight versus uh someone really cool that i can't remember her name um who won and uh, shouts to her for winning that was a really good fight. And I, and I honestly felt like the narrative was like, Oh, so this is Sabina Mazo making her debut. She's going to make a big splash. And then, pretty much gets handled I, I wouldn't say handled it was competitive it was a really it was a really fun fight but um it was a pretty clear decision in my opinion and then you had ray borg versus uh casey kenny i mean yes ray borg missed weight and he's missed weight at flyweight and then missed weight again at bantamweight and it sucks but if you don't know what ray borg 
um, is going through with his family and his, his son. I mean, he could weigh in at 145 for a bantamweight fight, as far as I'm considered, far, far as I'm considered and, and concerned. And that would be okay. Not not really, but like, dude, if you're his opponent, like, let's make it a catch weight. I'll bump up as well. I mean, he should just try and fucking make weight, but. I don't know the shit he's going through, and you know the fact that he had to give up twenty percent of his purse to, to the other guy, and that was a really fun like scramble, heavy grappling fight. Um, I don't know, it just, it just breaks my heart. I don't, I don't, I don't want to talk about it at the moment because um, Ray Borg before the stuff happened with his son, um, I'm gonna be honest, he used to annoy the shit out of me. I didn't like his interviews, and um, he was, <laughs> I mean, he would get trolled a lot on Twitter, and he would just like troll them back, and I just. It would feel like I was like following like an angry college student kind of, but um, the stuff that he's been through since then, I feel he's matured immensely, and I mean his his little boy I mean, should win fighter of the year, not really, but like an honorable mention. But goddamn! All right, let's try to get a more positive. We'll just shift right to the main card. So Sadiq Yusuf versus Shaman, Shaman Morais. Um, Sadiq Yusuf got the decision on that one. I was a little surprised. Um, I mean, there was one point where he had like full mount and he was he was dropping elbows and and kind of. But then Shaman had some really good moments on the feet too. Um, but that was that was overall a, a really fun fight. Um, although I did kind of feel like see, this is the thing. I felt like Shaman Morais was fighting to win and Sadiq Youssef was fighting to not lose and yes MMA is considered a sport but when people treat it too much like a sport that's when I start to tune out and lose interest because if you're just protecting your record and you're out there playing it safe I mean yes your health is on the line you know, you're bleeding for our enjoyment, but fun fights, fun performances is what will get you a bigger following, get bigger fights. So it, it's a give and take. And when fighters can find that balance, I think it's really something special. Um, that said, after the fight, his post-fight interview, I think, made up for it. Sadiq Youssef makes a 30% joke. <laughs> Kamaro Usman reference and then calls out Kron Gracie saying he just finished one specialist one champion in Muay Thai and Shima Morais and wants to uh, challenge another Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu world champion specialist in Kron Gracie now that would be awesome I think because when Kron Gracie made his debut everyone on Twitter was like oh Kron Gracie versus Ryan Hall book it let's make that happen I want to see the fucking Jiu-Jitsu versus Jiu-Jitsu and originally I was like, sign me up for that. I mean, I, I love Ryan Hall. So I was just like, yeah, dude, let's get him a fucking matchup. And he like sat on the shelf for two years, which was a shame. Um, so I was just like, yeah. And then I was listening to the MMA hour with Luke Thomas. And he said, no, you do not want that fight because their jujitsu will cancel each other out. If they go to the ground, more than likely Ryan Hall will keep it on the feet and just hit him from kicks from the outside. And once he said that, I couldn't get that image out of my head. I was like, of course. That's, I mean, anything can happen in a fight, but 
that just makes the most logical sense of how that matchup would play out. And so I like this one better because Sadiq Yusuf got pretty good takedown defense so far that we've seen. Although Kung Gracie's not really a wrestler um, in terms of that. So he'll more try and, um, I don't know, do those little uh, fake kicks to try and get to the clinch and do that way. But when it, once it gets his hands on you, once it gets a hold you, done fucking collect his neck so i think that would be a really fun matchup i hope they make that happen tweet at me if you want to see that we'll get that going and then right after that we had paul craig versus kennedy jack not gonna mess up his last name it's n-z-e-c-h-u-k-w-u Zuchuku. It's probably Zuchuku because I think the N is silent. Um, I worked for a Cameroonian guy whose name was like spelled like Nchinda, but we just called him Chinda. Uh, although it's Francis Nganu. You know what? Maybe it's Nzuchuku. Sorry, Kennedy. By the way, have have two names that match, like Kamaru Usman versus Marty Usman. Like That's what I feel like you are with Kennedy and I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I just can't pronounce that name for the life of me. And that's something I pride myself on. I'm going to have to go and um, and uh, listen to a proper pronunciation of that name because he did have a really good performance, although he didn't get the win. Um, in true Paul Craig fashion, and this is why I love Paul Craig, is because he's not out until the fucking – until the scorecards are read. If they go to the scorecards or the final bell sounds, he is not out of it, dude. Uh, four minutes and 20 seconds of round three. So with uh, 40 seconds left in the fight, he locks up a triangle. And just like he did when he fought uh, Magomed Ankalaev, I mean, literally the last second of the fight. But this time, I thought this was even more of a domination, to be honest with you, uh, because in the uh, Magomed Ankalaev fight, Paul Craig had some good moments on the feet. I mean, it was a pretty like clear, like it would have been like 30, 26 probably because of maybe, maybe a 10, eight round in there for the other guy, if it had gone to the scorecards, but um, Paul Craig still have some good moments on the feet in this fight. I don't feel like he had any good moments really. Although Kennedy did something that was pissing me off. He was throwing some eye pokes. I'm mean, not intentional probably, but you know, the way he had his hands out and then Keith Peterson would be like, close your fucking hands. I don't want to see those hands out. And he'd be like, Whoa, he'd kind of play like, come on, dude. And I don't like that shit. It's also just cause I'm a fucking Paul Craig shell probably, <laughs> but I love me some Paul Craig. Whenever he gets on the mic, he's like, we got that submission. It's a pretty cool submission. So yeah, Paul Craig holding it down for Scotland. By the way, if you don't think Paul Craig deserves to be in the UFC, get off of this podcast. No, don't leave. I need you. Please, please don't leave. But at the same time, we're going to hard disagree because I love some Paul Craig. And obviously, when we get to these fights, I since this is the first episode, I didn't tell you my picks. I'm going to I'm going to try to give some picks and 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 put a little bit of um I don't know intelligent thought and analysis behind the picks but I'm also going to have to be honest in saying I fucking pick with my heart most of the time cuz sometimes I'm just like 
yeah, I love that guy. I want him to win versus like actually looking at the matchup. Um, but obviously I'm not a fucking analyst, so no problem doing that. So I say that because in looking at the um, Karolina Kovalkiewicz versus Michelle Watterson fight, I love the matchup because I thought there was a lot of X factors. You know, Michelle's got some really good ground game, even though her nickname is the Karate Hottie, and she started as a stand-up fighter. She, when she transitioned to MMA, she really started working on her jujitsu and her grappling. And I feel like she submits people. Um, you know, in Invicta, she was submitting people a lot, so it's just kind of cool. And but Carolina has really good takedown defense. Like they said, the best in strawweight history before this fight. And um, the more polished uh, striking, I feel, in terms of like, like karate and, ta- and taekwondo are are good for other things, but they don't always transition to MMA. But uh, Carolina, I feel like more is like a Muay Thai fighter, um, which works really well for MMA. So that said, I was saying I wanted Michelle Watterson to win, but my pick, I was I was probably going for Carolina. I thought she would take it given the takedown defense and the striking uh, credentials. But Michelle, I mean, not that she embarrassed her on the feet, but I thought Michelle was winning the exchanges on the feet as well. Like she was landing the side kick to the knee. It's fucking Jackson Wink staple. And she, she even got a couple hook kicks to the face. Um, she was just really finding her range uh, that well. Even even in some of the boxing exchanges when they when they were in the pocket, she was landing some some good one-twos and some, some combos. Um, and then when it got to the ground, she just fucking brutalized her. I mean, she almost, I think she almost had an arm bar at one point and Carolina spun out of it. And I was like, her arm's probably broken in some fashion. Um <laughs> So, so yeah, uh, but dude, great, great fight. Great, uh, win for Michelle. Cause Carolina is one of the, one of the top dogs. I mean, she had a great fight with Joanna, um, tough spot for Michelle because Rose is the champion and she lost to Rose pretty dominantly. I'd say, I mean, Rose like dropped her with a head kick and then choked her out. It was, uh, and then her like blood came out of her nose, um, I honestly, if Michelle keeps winning um, and Rose retains the belt after her uh, title defense against Jessica Andrade, um, which we'll get to probably in a later episode, I mean, definitely, um, I wouldn't mind running that back, Michelle versus Rose too. Although I'm going to be picking Thug Rose versus just about anybody in that division because me and my uh, fiance, Kate, we fucking love Rose. Um, she's just the best. And we were, uh, we were live at uh, UFC 217 in Madison Square Garden when she knocked out Joanna Young Jacek and that shit was incredible. I mean, the fucking arena was on fire. I mean, you do that. And, and then we were also at, uh, 223 in Barclays when they had the rematch. So we fucking, I mean, we love Rose. We always show up for her fights if we can make them. Now you probably figure out where we are. We're on the East Coast. Michelle, this is what made me laugh. Michelle, in her post-fight interview, she was like, I want that gold. I'm coming for that gold. And then John Anik is like, all right, just got a good win. What's next for you? And she goes, uh, I want that gold. <laughs> I mean, I just said it. <laughs> it was so funny. I mean, she didn't like get like... uh annoyed like i just did but i was like come on ja 
And I love John Anik, by the way. He's great. But I was just like, it was right there. She literally, I mean, she said, I want that gold. So it's kind of like not exactly saying I want the title shot, but that's what she's saying, dude. Read between the lines. Um, so now we get into um, Michael Johnson versus Josh Emmett. A lot of people, and I agree, were saying this should have been the co-main. But in terms of like placement on the card, if you're if you're on the main card but you're not the main event, it's kind of all the same. Although the the co-main does get a little more promotion. But honestly, I did not see a lot. Of, I mean, maybe it was because of it's these guys in particular. But I did not see a lot of promo for David Branch versus Jack Hermanson, the actual co-main, which is after this. Um, other than they played a little package before that fight of David Branch being like, after my last loss, show me that anything could happen, and that changed things up. Uh, I'll never overlook another man again. Which, <laughs> we'll get to that. But Josh Emmett versus Michael Johnson. Now, I like Josh Emmett, and... Um, it kind of sucks because he was a little bit fast-tracked, I felt like, when he dropped down to featherweight um, because he had the nice win over Ricardo Lamas. Um, I mean, a clean knockout. And then they g- g- skyrocketed to, uh, like, number three in the rankings. And he he was calling for a title shot, but the UFC was like, not so fast. You got to get past Jeremy Stevens first. And he almost had jeremy stevens out of there in the first round i believe in that fight and then jeremy stevens came back and finished him now that was a controversial controversial virtual finish on its own right because you dan mergliata didn't see the elbows at the back of the head it was a bit of a late stoppage in that respect as well uh i mean like that should have been i don't know that that was a botched call but it, it caused Emmett to suffer like literally he broke his face like he had some broken orbital bones and i think his cheekbones like a lot of his face got broken because of those those extra blows and it put him out for like a year which you never want to see and so i was like given the layoff michael johnson's been active and he's also one of those guys that's like always shows up always his game and good hands and there was there was a couple times where I thought he was going to catch Josh Emmett. You know, he was landing that straight left, and it's it's it was like uh, at the around the four minute mark of round three, and I was like, "Well, this is Michael Johnson's fight." And I was about to tweet, um, "We might as well just give it to Michael Johnson at this point." I mean, what is Josh Emmett going to do? And literally, that's when he landed the fucking overhand right staple of team alpha mma which is no longer team alpha male because they're trying to be progressive whatever um i mean right on the button dude overhand right just put michael johnson out and i was like damn and this is why this sport is so unforgiving is because michael johnson has been in this game a long time he's got wins over tony ferguson i think he even uh has a win against edson barboza and those are a lightweight now he's down at featherweight and he's not having an easy time of it, dude. I mean, he lost to Darren Elkins. He had the one against Artem, but I mean, a lot of people beat Artem. Let's be honest, even though I love Artem. By the way, a lot of people on MMA Twitter are calling for the jokes about Artem being the goat to stop. I'm never going to stop. Artem is the goat. Literally, I was driving the other day and I saw a goat. I said, oh, hey, Artem, it's the goat. 
So let's keep that going. But yeah, tough for Michael Johnson. Good on Josh Emmett to get back on track. Now I want to talk about something actually regarding that fight because I don't think the rankings have a lot of weight necessarily, but the UFC uses them to their advantage when it comes to a lot of different things. So I I don't like when fighters will turn down a matchup because, oh, well, he's not ranked, you know, to a certain extent. Like if you're just if you just broken into the top fifteen and you're not willing to fight down, um, it's it's a little tough. I think more guys should be willing to to give other guys an opportunity. But um, in the in the B roll package for this fight, right before they did the the walkouts, Josh Emmett was you know getting doing the interview and he said, "I went over Michael Johnson puts me right back where I was," and I'm like, "Does it though? Does it?" Because he was ranked number 10 going into this fight, Josh Emmett was, and Michael Johnson is not ranked at all. And so I tweeted that, and, and I, the only reason I bring that up is because he was number three when that loss to Jeremy Stevens happened. So I, I, was, I tweeted out there like, what the hell do you mean? Given the fact that Michael Johnson's not ranked and you're number 10, how does the one over him put you right back where you were? And a lot of people respond to me like, yeah, but the rankings are BS, dude. Um, Michael Johnson's a bigger name. He's got a lot. I get all that. And that's true. And that's why, you know, the placement on the card is such. And, you know, let's be honest. If he wasn't fighting Michael Johnson, he might not be on the main card. But from a ranking standpoint, I don't see how a win over Michael Johnson is going to put you back where you were. At least into some sort of, like, contention for the title you know realistically now maybe maybe they give him a a top five after this who knows i mean i guess we'll have to see but as of right now i don't think that win is gonna really propel him like it sounded like he was saying i mean i hope it does good for him josh emmett great dude um Interviews are kind of boring, but he seems really nice. And um, I like when nice guys win, so it is what it is. All right, now we go on to the co-main. Now, David Branch versus Jack Hermanson. I like Jack. Um, He's fun to watch. I mean, that nickname, The Joker, is always cool. He's Swedish. He's a little bit fucking crazy. Um, When he was fighting... um, what was it Talis Latis? I think he like broke his rib or something, and I was like, "Oh my god, they ha- they have to." St- he had some sort of rib injury. I was like, "Dude, they have to stop this fight." I mean, this is terrible. Like T- Talis Latis had him mounted at one point. I think I was like, "Oh my god!" And then he comes back, and I think he knocked him out. And I was like, "Fuck, man, you can never count this guy out." So I love that. But that said, going into it, I was well, I was rooting for David Branch. I didn't necessarily have a pick either way because. That was one where I wasn't sure. But in terms of just who I wanted to win, I was thinking David Branch because he's been in the game a long time. And I just I like it when guys like that can can get a win and propel themselves to, you know, higher status in, in that regard. Because I watched Chago Santos uh, versus David Branch live in uh, Atlantic City. And David Branch cleaned his clock, dude. 
What's, fu- what's funny about that is I think that fight lasted 49 seconds, and that's how long, or around that, maybe like 51, 52, and that's how long this fight against Jack Hermanson lasted, although he was on the other side of it. Uh, but tough for him. Going into that, I was like, dude, David Branch, he's a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. He's got good boxing. Like I said, he knocked out Thiago Santos. And this should be really fun. I hope he can he can wear him out and get a submission later on. Jack Hermanson didn't give a fuck. Um, I think he backed him up against the cage, maybe landed with some body shots, something that dropped him, or, or, or could have been a headshot. I can't remember. And he just clamps onto this fucking guillotine. He does like the seatbelt thing where you're kind of around on the back from the side and you have your um, arm laced around their like shoulder sort of to going through to like across the midsection. And then he sits back and clamps onto that guillotine. And I was like, holy fuck. And David Branch did not look like he was trying to get out of it, but maybe it was just really tight. And then he taps. And that was one of those things where I couldn't believe it. Like, honestly. So... Good for Jack Hermanson. Would love uh, a fight with him. Honestly, now that I'm thinking about it, Darren Till, after his last, well, after his loss to Woodley, he was talking about going to middleweight, and then he got the um, opportunity to fight, you know, Mazadal main event for London. So he stayed at welterweight, but we all know how that went. He got um, knocked the fuck out. Um,. So I would love to see Darren Till versus Jack Hermanson at middleweight. That would be a fun ass fight. Um, and I and I won't. I don't think I'll try and do too many of those. Like try and play matchmaker things because honestly, it just gets you excited for a fight that may never even happen. And who am I to try and say where these guys should go with their careers or where the UFC should go with their company? But man, that's a fun fucking fight. And that's the idea of this podcast. Talk about fun-ass fights and uh, get the conversation going. If we don't talk about it, no one else will, right? So I think that will be a fun fight um, for Jack. Although, at this point, stringing together those wins, maybe he's earned a, a higher-profile fight, given that Darren Till is probably not in the middleweight rankings, or wouldn't, wouldn't be if he were to move up. So Justin Gaethje versus Edson Barboza. This is another one of those things where I was picking with my heart but also trying to take in the technical aspect of it. So I'm looking at this matchup on paper, and I'm going, okay, you got a guy in Edson Barboza who's got baseball bats for legs and just swings them like full force into your fucking liver, into your calf, into your thigh. He'll fucking spin around and hit that heel into your temple. I mean... I watched him get pieced up by Kevin Lee in Atlantic City, and that was tough to watch. But then he still had that in the third round after getting dominated. He still had that wheel kick that made Kevin Lee do the fucking chicken dance, uh, inspiring all those hilarious memes. And so I was like, well, where's Edson at this point in his life? And then, and then that Dan Hooker fight uh, back in Milwaukee this past December, I have such a high opinion of Dan Hooker's skills. Um, his striking combined with his submissions are a real fucking threat, dude. Like when he was fighting Gilbert Burns, Gilbert Burns got some knockout power, but he's also a, um, a BJJ black belt. And so when they went to the ground, 
happened once in the fight. I was like, holy shit, um, this is not a good spot for Dan Hooker. And then Dan Hooker like got him in an anaconda choke or whatever, which made Gilbert Burns go, oh shit. And then they, he got a scramble and got up. And I was like, dude, Dan Hooker can do that to fucking Edson Barboza. And what I watched was just a fucking clinic by Edson Barboza. And like I said, high respect of Dan Hooker's skills, but also his toughness. And when you did that to a guy like Dan Hooker, I was like, well, Justin Gaethje's main weapon, I feel like, is his toughness, his his willingness to to just eat shots to give give them. And I was like, how many of these fucking baseball bat leg kicks and and liver kick can you fucking take, dude? So I was like rooting for Justin Gaethje in the sense that I like Justin Gaethje and Justin Gaethje winning is a good thing for the division, I think. You know, seeing him propel those fun-ass matchups. Like, that's awesome. And so I was like, well, we got to fucking talk about that. I'm lo- I'm, I am lost track of my thought. Oh, I, I was hoping Justin Gaethje would win, but I was like, this is Edson's fight for the taking. Um, because I just thought later into the fight, <laughs> those fucking shots are going to add up, dude. And Justin Gaethje proved me wrong. And I love being wrong about shit like that i don't mind and that's why i'm doing this podcast because I, I have no problem putting my picks out there because i one thing i love about mma is is getting shocked i love it when you're like oh aldo's gonna beat conor mcgregor he's too hyped and then he gets starts in 13 seconds i love shit like that i love this game so much so justin gaethje knocking him out clean two and a half minutes into the first round nothing's better than that dude incredible that said and i said i wasn't going to talk about future matchups but all i'm talking about with these fucking guys is future matchups i want to see justin get the winner of of cowboy versus iaquinta and the reason why i say that is in the post-fight interview justin gaethje had said what the fuck's up with these rankings donald cerrone Get, comes back gets one win over the number 13 guy and he's ahead of me in the rankings fuck that like he was kind of fired up and i was like oh shit i would love to see that fight and then i was like well cowboy's already booked against al and that's when i remembered justin was supposed to fight al they were supposed to headline that card in alabama arkansas somewhere <laughs> nebraska it was nebraska and i was like shit dude i really wanted to see that um Iaquina versus gaethje fight so honestly I think he should fight the winner of that fight because that's an awesome fight. Um, this guy on Twitter said, oh, you really want that to happen? Because then he starches that guy and then gets destroyed by Khabib. That timeline sucks. Uh, you need to do Gaethje versus Tony. And I was like, whoa, pump the brakes. First of all, Ally Quinta and Cowboy Cerrone, you can never count either of those dudes out. I mean, there's a very good chance we see a different fight against them versus Justin Gaethje. And and, then that could go one of their way. Um, So I don't think it's a foregone conclusion to say that Gaethje would start those guys, but I also don't think even if he does that, he he would get started by Khabib. Um, Don't tell me you don't want to see Gaethje versus Khabib. I mean, that show would be awesome just to see him just reckless abandon, try and piece him up. He's got the college wrestling credentials to get back to his feet. You know, maybe, I mean, Khabib has embarrassed a lot of people in that respect, but but that's what Khabib does, dude. I mean, th- that's going to happen. And so when he said Gaethje versus Tony, I was like, hold on. 
they have tried to make Tony versus Khabib, Khabib, whatever, four times. And each time it's fallen out at the last second. And I don't care how many times you have to make that fight to book it before it actually comes to fruition. You have to make that fight. I mean, Khabib is 27-0. He's the champion of the world. Tony was the interim champion and got stripped. And he's, what, like won 11 in a row at this point? Including a, like a fight of the year candidate against Pettis in his last fight after coming off of like six months surgery. I mean, uh, having a surgery six months prior and only doing that much rehab. Come on, dude. I mean, yeah, Gaethje versus Tony, awesome. So I'd love to see Tony fight Khabib, beat Khabib because I think he can. And then I would love to see Gaethje versus Tony for the belt. So, so that's the only uh, scenario in which I would like to see Gaethje versus Tony at this juncture. Because on the current trajectory, Gaethje should be fighting another top lightweight like Aller Cowboy once the winner emerges. And Tony needs to fucking fight for the belt. Let's stop playing games at lightweight, UFC. Don't fucking make this weird-ass interim fight that's coming up in the pay-per-view, which we're going to talk about. We don't need that. We don't need that. We don't need any scenario where Tony doesn't get a title shot. Yes, he's going through some personal issues. We know that. But Dana said in an interview recently with um, Bar- Barstool Sports' Robbie Fox on his podcast, My Mom's Basement. Tony texts him and says he's ready to go. I want to see that fight. There's no scenario where you don't want to see Tony versus Khabib. Go back and wa- Go back and watch... The Monday morning analyst with Luke Thomas when he broke down why Tony can possibly be Habib. Now, I want to make clear, he's, he didn't say that it could be, but he's saying the, the tools he possesses are probably the most compelling argument that he has more of a chance than these other guys because it was awkward striking. I'm not awkward in terms of it's like whatever, but the awkward angles he comes at, but most importantly he was talking about the front headlock position that tony is really good in and that's where you're going to find yourself often with khabib going for that single leg tony wrapping up that dars dude dude if tony and khabib fight i know tony's going to wrap up that dars he may not finish it khabib could end up winning but tony's going to find that dars dude it's there Wow, we got off on a huge tangent about Gaethje versus Tony, huh? And Tony and Habib. <laughs> so I guess that's a good point to wrap up this segment um, in terms of the UFC Philadelphia recap. Um, let me know what you thought about it. I want to talk talk more about it. If there was something that I missed that you're really dying to talk about, um, slide the DMs or you can email me. Which I'll, I'll give the email later in this podcast. Um, so I want to I want to hear from you guys. That's the whole point of this podcast. Is fucking interaction, dude. We got to talk about it. We got to build each other up. Because my opinion is not the fucking be all end all. Obviously, you know that. <laughs> and you just know that I know that. And so my goal is to put myself out there so that people can, we can debate, argue, uh, talk about different things. I mean, if we're just sitting at home talking, that's like fucking masturbating. I want to have sex with you guys. That's what I'm saying proverbial sex anyway not really but you know what i mean we, we got to talk about these fights so um let's wrap up the segment take a little break because uh got some shit to do and then we're going to get back into some mma current events 
And we're back. Thanks for sitting through that. Um, actually, at this point, probably nothing happened. You probably just went right into this and you were confused why I took a break at all. Well, I wanted to kind of break it up so that you could know when one segment was ending. But I also wanted to let you know that eventually when we get some sponsors, we're going to fucking back up the brain's truck here, babies. It's a little shout out to Chris D'Elia. Love his fucking podcast. Congratulations. But anyway, um, that was a potential... Um, opportunity for a sponsor so that that's what that is um anyway let's talk about some current events in mma again disclaimer don't know when this is going to air yet so by the time it comes out you maybe already don't need to hear about this good news that's why i broke down the segments and you can fast forward so um that said i want to talk about john jones honey dicking everyone i mean come on john jones He's arguably one of the greatest fighters of all time. And he's not without his share of controversy. Um, so I, I try not to talk about him as, as being the greatest of all time because of the controversy and the shit he does outside the cage, which is just terrible, let's be honest. Let's call it for what it is. But inside the cage, I mean, he's a fucking master. I'll, I'll give him that. I mean, the, there's, the things he does is, is just incredible and, and he's an awesome fighter to watch. And it makes it look like he's just like, toying with these guys sometimes it's like he's on a fucking another level that said one of the things that everyone always was talking about was john john's moving up to heavyweight and we all and how much we want to see that We're like come on how will he do against these big boys and he was like oh yeah maybe i'll find a smaller heavyweight or whatever and now that daniel cormier is the heavyweight champion we all want to see that third fight and i, I won't say we all there's probably a, a good number of you listening to this that say oh come on dude john jones I beat him, he was crying, and the whole memes, and dude, I get that, but DC, uh, not having to cut weight, I think is another, just added level of intrigue to that matchup, and where they're at, I, I think I really, I love DC, and I really think we need to give them that last chance to make good on those um, losses to John Jones, and, and get that one back, but that said, the, the champ versus champ fights are getting a little fucking annoying, and we need to see how John Jones does a heavyweight. And Stipe has been like, I'm going to get my rematch. I need my rematch. And is just not really entertaining any other fight options. So when John Jones tweeted, how would you guys like to see me versus Stipe in July? Are you ready? Is July too soon? Something like that. I was so happy. And that was after Ariel had already dropped it on uh, Ariel and the bad guy with Chael. Chael did a whole segment on it. It started, people started talking about it online. Everyone was like, Stipe versus John Jones. That makes a lot of sense. It's a fun fight to keep John active while the 205 division kind of plays itself out. And Stipe gets another fight to be relevant. And honestly, I think Stipe has some tools to give John Jones some problems. So I would love to see that fight. Are you kidding me? And, and not to mention the intrigue of John at heavyweight also not having to cut weight. Not that he cuts a lot, but like, will he have more power? I mean, that's the kind of shit that excites me, dude. And so when John Jones is tweeting out, oh, how would you guys like to see me versus Stipe? And then hours later, they announce that him and Tiago Santos are booked for, two of, for, for, for the light heavyweight title for uh, International Fight Week. I mean, come on. That was terrible. Absolutely terrible. I mean, and Steve, Steve even responded. Steve never responds. He was like, I'm ready when you are. Let's do this. 
And then the fucking news drops about the contract. Now, maybe there's some shit going on behind the scenes we don't know about. There's always that. But come on, guys. Figure that shit out. I don't care what you have to do. I don't care if you have to pay Stipe to be on standby and then fucking something ha- like <laughs> no i don't want to wish ill on tiago santos let's, let's not do that I, I was just saying come on dude we have to see that fight but fuck it put stipe on the card anyway let's give him a fight against uh Derek lewis i would love to see that or fucking curtis blades because he just had a nice one over justin willis and let's have let's get some intrigue going uh maybe we could see stipe versus john jones so that I just had to talk about that because that pissed me off when that happened. I was like, John Jones, dude, stop honey dicking us. Stop fighting not even that deserving contender. I mean, Thiago Santos has put together some nice wins since coming to light heavyweight. But a year ago, he got knocked out by David Braz. Let's not forget that. Anyway. That's where I'm at with that. Steve versus John Jones needs to happen. John Jones versus Thiago Santos is not that uh, exciting for me. It, it could, they can make it exciting. I mean, Thiago Santos is a fucking killer. So let's reserve our thoughts for that, you know, leading up to it. I'd like to table that for now. Um, but for now, I'm just focused on Steve versus John Jones because I can't get that out of my head. And another thing I can't get out of my head, and um, I can't avoid on this podcast because he's the most popular fighter ever in the history of the sport, is Conor McGregor's full retirement. And yes, we're, let's not let's not call it a real retirement. I mean, this, this is just this is just UFC 200 all over again. Now the circumstances are different. I grant that. And Ariel Hawani uh, did a good job of of talking about that when he was on Sports Center, saying the circumstances behind that were different. You know why he was avoiding the press and not wanting to do that, and that's why he took the retirement tweet. But it's no more real then than it is now. I mean, this is a public negotiation this is him saying i mean the fact the fact that he puts out that tweet saying proper whiskey for everybody and then he is literally on interviews just like the week prior saying he was trying to get something going in july um it it doesn't fucking add up there's no way and then for dana to be like yeah it makes sense but then the ufc not like like when bisping retired dude there was a whole celebration they 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 paid tribute to him and and well deserved i mean bisping is one of my favorite fighters of all time so that that said they're not doing that with connor because they know it's just gamesmanship so if you are buying into this retirement he's winning so I don't want to talk about this anymore because it's not real. And I don't I don't want to talk about the implications because that just only feeds the fire. I want them to, to I want him to stop whining. I want him to figure out whatever matchup they're gonna give him. Maybe they give him the winner of Poirier and Holloway. Uh, because let's be honest, we all want to see Tony and Khabib <laughs> back to that. And dude, get going. That's what I want to see. That's what I want to. T- <laughs> I want to be talking about that later. I don't want to be talking about this retirement tweet. I don't want to be talking about his whiskey. But by the way, on my other podcast, Mixed Martial Opinions, I did a review of his whiskey. I brought in my friend Stephen Amendola, who's a, a whiskey connoisseur, among other things, and we talked about uh, the proper whiskey, and got me drunk fast. But we were talking about it. 
And Stephen goes, well, it's got notes of uh, iodine and paint thinner. I mean, that's not what you want your fucking whiskey to be described as, dude. So, yeah, proper whiskey. If you bought proper whiskey and you're one of those guys who tweeted it out just to get a retweet from Connor, I mean, you missed the point, I think. That whiskey is terrible, dude. It's terrible. So let's not talk about Connor's whiskey or his retirement because none of them are real. Okay. Now moving on. Aspirin versus Masvidal. Now, I I wrote this down in different ways because I wanted to talk about Ben Askren in certain respect and I wanted to talk about Jorge Masvidal. But I also wanted to talk about how everyone's calling for the, the Robbie Lawler rematch. First of all, I hate immediate rematches. Not hey, I mean, sometimes there's a reason to see it. Um, but if I'm being honest, I don't think the stoppage was all that controversial. Yeah, he got fucked up by Robbie in the beginning. He got slammed, and then he took some big shots. But number one is because his arm was, one arm was pinned, so he couldn't really properly get out of it. And two, he survived. So it's fine. He fucking gutted it out, showed some coming back from adversity, showed some toughness. I mean, that was great. And he, and he got a submission after that. And yeah, Robbie didn't tap. And as soon as he let go, he, he kind of woke up. But in my opinion, he was out before that. And so if you if you watch the Gracie breakdown... I think they did a great job, Henry Gracie and Hedon Gracie, they did a great job of breaking down why the stoppage wasn't all that controversial because they said, they said they started this, Henry asked Hedon, was the stoppage early? Hedon goes, yes. He said, would that have made a difference? No. And if you watch that breakdown, that's all you need to know about it, really. Because I honestly don't think there was, Robbie was going to get out of that. So when people are calling for an immediate rematch, I mean, yeah, you can sell that for a rematch later on down the line if if both of them maybe are going to fight for a number one contender fight or, I don't know, you just don't have anything left to do with them. You could sell that. I mean, like, oh, well, I wasn't really out. You can play the package. But but honestly, for an immediate rematch, the controversy is not really there for me. I, I, I think it's fine. And to be honest, this is another reason I don't want to see the rematch because I'd much rather see Robbie rematch Tyron because I think that ended too quickly, and we didn't, never really got to see that fight play out. And given that they both come off losses to each other's teammates, I think it just makes sense. Um, and Ben Askren was basically shunned from the UFC for a long part of his career. And so we're trying to make up for lost time here. There's there's so many matchups that we don't we haven't gotten to see, and I'd rather talk about those, which is why... I love the matchup against Jorge Masvidal, which as of this point, as of yet, I don't think it's 100% signed, but that's where all the reports are talking about that they've both verbally agreed and they've committed for uh, July 6th. And they're going to stack that card, which I think is a great idea. So I love that. I love the the matchup. Darren Till versus uh, Jorge Masvidal fight week. Ben Askren was there. He was saying, I want the winner. I mean, yes, he did think it was going to be Darren Till, but it wasn't like he was saying, I don't want to fight Jorge. They had some beef. And so I think to to ignore that is like, whatever. And then Jorge after the fight is like, no, I'm calling for a title. And 
I want Jorge Masvidal to get a title shot at some point. I love the fucking guy. I love the way he fights. Um, he's one of the realest motherfuckers in uh, MMA. But to give him a title shot immediately when he did come off two straight losses before that uh, Darren Till knockout, it just... You, I, you can't make a case for it, in my opinion. So... I love I loved the matchup against Ben Askren because Ben Askren is showing himself to be a top welterweight. And while he's saying, oh, this guy's got one fight in the UFC, come on, everyone knows who he is. He's got a lot of hype behind him. That's a good matchup. And the shit talking, I'm here for it, dude. That video that um, Jorge put, put out and he said, somebody send this to these fucking people because I'm not going to tag them and put that shit on my timeline. That was gold. And they saw it. It worked. Are you kidding me? Especially after that whole three-piece with a soda backstage. Of course, there was Leon Edwards, but I'm just saying the whole interview. Like Now now I want to see that guy do anything. So I'd rather talk about Askren versus Masvidal, Ben Askren versus Jorge Masvidal. By the way, stop saying George Masvidal. It's Jorge. I mean, we're not calling Juan Archuleta John Archuleta, are we? That was just the only one I can think of. But, dude, it's Jorge Masvidal. And that's and that's where we're leaving, I guess, is just don't, don't call him George. Now, the last little bit of um, current events I want to talk about before we um, get this thing going, this thing meaning the rest of the podcast, I want to talk about Henry Cejudo a little bit. Now, Henry Cejudo, lately... Has been annoying the shit out of me. First of all, he's cringe, so cringe. And so, and 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 sometimes that's good. Like when he was doing the whole thing of like, "Oh, kill a snake!" Like leading up to his fight with TJ. Yes, it was cringe, but it was funny, kinda. And I wanted to see him beat TJ. Uh, I didn't think that was gonna happen, so I was I was shocked at the result. But I was like, dude, especially with the whole thing where he was talking about the, being the savior of the flyweights, and that's what leads into my next point. Because going that, they were talking about closing the flyweight division. And he was like, don't close my division, UFC. I want to promise from you, Dana, I win this fight. You keep the division around. Uh, I'm going to save the flyweights. And then what does he do immediately after he wins the fight? He's like, now we saved the flyweights. Now I want to go get that Bantamweight title. And it's like, dude, you just threw away those few months of of promotion that you were talking about being the savior of the flyweights you just basically left them in the dust and now not only that i mean it kind of made sense if if tj was still the champion and didn't get the whole usada thing and he really pushed the title because then it's like well he got a chance now i get my chance and so that that parody kind of makes sense i guess but still don't call yourself the savior of division and then leave the division and then what really was the straw that broke the camel's back for me which is why i put it on the list to talk about today is in his recent interview with um uh, era hawani on the hawani show he was talking about matching up with um, marlon Moraes. um which looks like they're going to make that fight actually they did announce that already for the pay-per-view in chicago i believe and he was like, after that, I'm going to beat his coach, Frank Yeager, which we all know fights at 145. So now you're going up another division. But then he was like, oh, there's been talks to Frankie coming on to Bantamweight. So even still, he's not going across that many weight divisions. But still, don't fucking call out a guy 
that you're going to fight after this next fight when you haven't even gone through Marlon Marais. Marlon Marais is going to kick your fucking head off, dude. I hope, I honestly hope Marlon Marais sends him back to the flyweight division. They, Dana talked about it on SportsCenter, or not on SportsCenter, I'm sorry, um, and the the post-fight little show on ESPN um, after um, um, Nashville. Yeah, UFC Nashville, because uh, Juicy Formiga had just beaten um, Davison Figueredo. And so he's like, now I know what to do. We're going to do Cejudo versus Morais, and then uh, Formiga versus Benavides is a, is a number one contender fight on that card. And I thought that kind of made sense. Now, before before that fight, I was saying, dude, get this fucking shit out of the way. Let's book Morais and Sterling or Morais and Munoz for the vacant title. And let's book Cejudo versus Benavidez. That's better, in my opinion. Benavidez beat him. Although I thought the judges got that one wrong. I had Henry winning, but it's still in the record books. Benavidez beat him. So Henry gets a chance to get that back. And who who doesn't want to see Benavidez in another title fight, dude? He he had two against Mighty Mouse. And honestly, I would see those guys fight every weekend. Um, so I want to see Benavidez and Cejudo too already. Uh, but um, I don't mind if I have to see Benavidez and Formiga again uh, to get there. So I hope that happens. I, I hope... Suhudo loses to Morais, and they force him back down to 125, and then we have to see him defend that title. Because that, let's get it fucking on track. Let's get rid of these champ champ fights, and let's get this shit back on track. Okay? I guess that's it for uh, MMA current events. Um, this might be a good time to talk about the, um, I guess plug the email a little bit. Um, so, I created an email account so that anyone can send in like uh, questions or suggestions, anything you want me to talk about um, or just comments or feedback or hate mail, whatever. So if there's anything you want to talk about in an upcoming episode uh, or just tell me I'm a piece of shit, you can email fighting with myself pod at gmail.com. That's F I G H T I N G W I T H. M-Y-S-E-L-F-P-O-D at gmail.com. Spelled it, so now there's no excuses. Uh, and of course, it's on my Twitter, um, at F-W-M underscore pod, um, which is probably how you heard about this podcast anyway. And um, obviously, DMs are open, so if you don't want to go to an email and you're on the app already on Twitter, you can just fucking shoot me a message there, and uh, we'll talk about it on the podcast. So, um Let's wrap up this segment, and uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about UFC 236. And we're back. I like doing it in segments because then I can uh, grab a drink of water and not have to uh, drink it on air and be disrespectful and fuck up the audio. So uh, I think we're going to do we're going to continue to do that. I'm just going to break down in segments like that. That way I get a little break, and uh, you maybe down the line you hear a little little ad from a sponsor so I can get paid. Uh, and you can hear about cool companies that support me, support the podcast. That'd be cool. Um, so that said, let's get into um, UFC 236 um, in terms of the uh, the breakdowns for that. Now, when I say breakdown, here's a disclaimer. I'm not an analyst. Um, I have studied martial arts. Uh, I took karate when I was little up to for a long time. I was six till I was 16. And... Recently, I've been um, starting to train jujitsu a little bit. Um, I want to get back into it. 
it's jujitsu is my favorite martial art at the moment because um, it's such an integral aspect of MMA and it's it's really like cerebral um, and it's you know they call it the gentle art so I really love that so um, I know a little bit but no more than any of you probably just just my knowledge is just from having watched a bunch of fights so I don't come at you from that sort of um, angle uh, I'm not uh, claiming to have a ton of knowledge and um, I'm not a I'm not a guy that puts a lot of weight into like stats like I'm, you're not going to hear me really talk about the reach or um, any sort of like takedown percentage uh striking differential percentages i'm not really going to talk about that uh i'm going to talk about what i know from what i've seen from the fighters um in the past and maybe some intangibles like uh moving up a weight class how's that going to play into so i'm going to come at it from that perspective so that said here's my picks for the main card uh, and also another disclaimer, uh, this is not betting advice. So if you're fucking looking to place your money somewhere, probably don't listen to me at all. <laughs> um, but if you're looking to have some fun and you're looking to debate and you want to tell me um, how poorly I did after the fact, that's what you're going to listen to. <laughs> and that's what this is for. So um, starting off the main card, we got um, Ovin St. Prue versus Nikita Krylov. Um, I like this fight. They both like to strike. Um, Ovin St. Prue. We know he has the Von Prue choke, which is sort of a weird name to say, but it kind of makes sense because it's technically called the Von Flu choke because a guy named Jason Von Flu pretty much invented it and he did it once in the UFC. But Ovin St. Prue has done it three times in the UFC, dude. Let's just, I mean, it, it was a choke that was made up anyway. You're not made up, but you know what I mean? It was created initially. So let's just call it the Von Prue choke. Might as well. Um, so if they get into some sort of position like that where Nikita tries to get a guillotine or something like that, I see Owen St. Prue really lock up, locking up that choke. Um, that said, I don't think that'll happen because I think this uh, is going to take place mainly on the feet uh, striking. Um, OSP has ridiculous power. Nikita Krylov's got power in his own right. Um, I think this will probably get a get a stoppage in the third round, and I could see it going either way. But for the sake of not sitting on the fence, I'm going to pick OSP. Um, just veteran experience. Um, An OSP is the kind of guy that you can never count him out. I feel like. Although I feel like Owen St. Prue does well when he's taking a fight on short notice. Um, and this is not really a short notice fight. So there's that X factor as well. But that said, it's not like he only wins on short notice. I mean, he's got some, he's got some, some good wins, you know, with a full camp. So I love OSP. I love his energy. Uh, his fighting style is incredible. And I'm picking him to, uh, to be Nikita Krylov. Next up, we got Alan Joban versus Dwight Grant. Now, I'll admit to not knowing a lot about Dwight Grant. Um, I think he's had a couple fights in the UFC, and I've seen like one of them. Uh, so I do come to that with a grain of salt. Uh, and, and oftentimes, it's those guys who 
make the biggest splash because they they're somewhat overlooked and you got a guy like alan joban who's just been fucking grinding trying to get into the top 15 taking these tough fights um was there at one point i think i mean he he had a good matchup against uh, gunner nelson came up short um and since then he's kind of been on a skid uh so this is another one to me that could go either way but that said i'm gonna pick alan joban um goes back to what I said earlier on the podcast with picking with my heart a lot of the time. I love Alan Joban uh, primarily because he's an actor slash model, um, probably more of a model, <laughs> if I'm honest. Uh, he had the whole Versace campaign, but um, I like that about him. I like that he has that swagger, that he uses those skills, and that he didn't want to just be a model, that he wanted to fight too and prove that he's a fucking beast of a fighter. And, um, if you know me personally, you know that I'm an actor, uh, when I'm not doing this fucking podcast or watching sanctioned violence. So, um, I'm always going to pick people that have that kind of a background, like Paul Felder, Heather Joe Clark, these people that have like degrees in theater that uh, went into fighting. So, um, Alan Joban doing his thing in the modeling world, um, gets, gets a, gets a pick from me. Um, that said, if you're a fighter who decides to later become a model like Luke Rockhold, fuck you. And not fuck you because of that. Just fuck Luke Rockhold. I, I think he's a cocky motherfucker and uh, not not a fan of Luke Rockhold. I call him Luke Cockhold, uh, which is probably more fitting. So that's where I'm at with that pick. I like Alan Joban in this fight. Um, I like when he's, you know, up against the wall taking a fight that's like a not really a name you know, um, when he fought Bilal Muhammad, um, who now is, is a top name in the welterweight division, he fought him in his debut and, um, Alan Joban, um, put it on him. And I think we could see a similar thing happening there. Um, so I really hope that happens. Up next, we got Eric Anders versus, uh, Khalil Roundtree. Now this is an interesting matchup to me because Eric Anders by the way, got the worst name in, nickname in MMA. Literally is ya boy. I mean, there are worse nicknames. But I can't think of any right now. So I'm going to say he has the worst nickname in MMA. Just because I'm not a fan of that nickname. That said, I am a fan of Eric Anders in the way he fights. Um, sometimes. But what's interesting to me about this is because Eric Anders is primarily a middleweight. He's got a fair amount of wins at middleweight. Um, he took a short notice fight uh, against Thiago Santos to step in uh, that Jimmy Manoa fell out to headline that uh, UFC card. I think it was Belém uh, or maybe Sao Paulo, probably Sao Paulo, probably. Um, anyway, somewhere in Brazil, it was a fight night card that um, he took short notice because it was an opportunity to headline. They gave him a you know contract extension. He got more money. Um, and that fight didn't go his way. Um, and it was like he got really exhausted in the fight. And so he kind of said that, no, I think middleweight's my home. I'm not really going to go back to 205. He goes back into middleweight, loses to Elias Theodoro, um, another one of my uh, fighters that I love watching. And now he's back at 205. And this, to my knowledge, is not like a short-notice replacement. They've had this fight booked for a while. So it kind of makes me wonder what's going on. Is he at a juncture where he's not liking the weight cut? Is he 
just try to just like the matchup because Khalil Roundtree's not not really known as a wrestler. He's not going to take him down. It's going to be primarily a striker. So I kind of don't know. This fight to me is like another one of the dead even fights where they're both coming off a loss. I think Khalil um, didn't go his way in his last fight. He, he uh, got knocked out by Johnny Walker, another guy I'm really high on right now. And, but before that, Khalil Roundtree knocked out Gokhan Saki, who's literally nicknamed the Turkish Tyson. He's like a, a kickboxing legend. And he knocked him out. And I thought that was incredible. I was like, dude, I'm picking Khalil over just about anyone when it, when it was just a striking battle. But now, with the whole situation with Eric Anders, I don't know. So I'm still going to pick Khalil. Um, I think Khalil's one of those guys who when he has a chip on his shoulder he's got feels like he's got something to prove um he can really make a statement like the gokan fight he was supposed to fight gokan saki and then he um gokan got injured and he took a replacement against that uh polish guy like michael omilichuk or something like that who ended up getting Papa usada after that fight and um he got khalil pretty much got wrestle fucked in that fight um and then got rebooked against Gokhan. And I think a lot of people were saying that Gokhan was going to knock him out. And he didn't like that. And he used his extra motivation and he knocked him out. So I think, I think given that like history, he just got, you know, finished by Johnny Walker. Um, he's fighting a guy coming up from middleweight. I think he's going to get, I think he's going to get angry. I, and I like that Khalil. I like the Khalil with something to prove. I like, I like a Khalil that's not fighting a wrestler. Um, I think he's got ridiculous power. Um, he almost knocked out Tyson Pedro before Tyson Pedro um, got out of there and um, and choked him out. I, I really think Khalil's something special when when he can put it all together and uh, stop the takedowns, which I don't think are coming from Eric Anders. So I'm going to pick Khalil Roundtree, um, and that's where I'm at. Again, probably there's a good chance I'm wrong, but uh, I'm putting myself out there. I'm starting the conversation. Um, I Part of what I want this podcast to be is sort of an extension of MMA Twitter. Uh, I really had a, a lot of fun um, talking with you guys online about the fights. So I want this podcast to be interactive. I want you guys to send send in uh, video clips uh, or, or audio recording of you talking about whatever stuff. I'll play it on the podcast. Or it could just be, you know, spoken word, just, just, just text. You can just text it in, email, um, Twitter DM. Like I said, we'll talk about it. But I want this to be... Uh, sort of a forum in that aspect that we can talk about uh, MMA together. Um, so n- next up on the list is uh, Kelvin Gaslam versus Israel Adesanya. Now this is uh, this is a fight that in a in a perfect world we wouldn't we might not be seeing because the reason why it's being thrown together you'll remember uh, it's for the interim middleweight title. Kind of weird that they're having two interim title fights as the main and co-main like that's kind of a first for the one well, not kind of it is a first for the ufc but it's it's like a weird first so it's something you want to talk about like the first card in ufc history to have two interim title fights it's like it's like you got a half a title dude so you really only have one title fight like two halves make a whole right so that's kind of stupid but uh, um the timeline of this is uh kelvin gaslam was booked against robert whitaker for um the undisputed middleweight title back at um 
UFC in Perth. And um, Israel Adesanya was supposed to co-main against Anderson Silva. And then Robert uh, Whitaker, the day of the fight, had to pull out due to a hernia, and, uh, which was just terrible luck. Um, and so Gaslam was a dance partner. Um, Israel and Anderson get bumped up. Um, and they gave us one of the best fights that I, I think you'll ever see in terms of high-level MMA. I mean, that was awesome. That fight against Anderson Silva was incredible. And I just love that it was his his idol. You saw him get emotional afterwards, the respect. I mean, th- those are the kind of fights I really enjoy. It doesn't have to be an all-out slugfest for it to win Fight of the Night, which it did. I mean, the the, the just the display of technique and the back and forth, uh, what, what Israel's still controlling, you know, almost got hit with the flying knee at one point. Like, that that was incredible. So that said... Now that he's fighting Kelvin, I mean, this is like the one time an interim title really kind of makes sense because it's been a while since Robert Whitaker has been able to defend it because he he was supposed to defend it against Yoel, but Yoel missed weight, so it's not an official title offense. And then they both got injured, so those guys have been out for a long time. That was June of last year. And so they were supposed to get back on track in February with the title, and then he pulls out. It's like, okay, this is a situation where an interim title makes sense because Gaslam did deserve that shot. Um, and Israel was supposed to get the winner. Uh, so when I say this is a fight that we didn't think we we're going to see in a perfect world is because I would really have loved to seen um, Robert and Kelvin fight it out. Um, I picked Robert to win that fight. I still I still do. Although what we see from Kelvin in this fight, that could change my mind about that. We'll see if he gets past Izzy. But um, I wanted to see Robert versus Izzy. I wanted to see Robert beat Kelvin and then have Israel Adesanya get the next title shot. And I wanted to see that match between Robert Whitaker and, and Israel Adesanya because that's, an, that's one where I honestly have no idea how that will play out. Uh, and that fight needs to happen, in my opinion. The whole history between uh, New Zealand and Australia, um, they're somewhat rivalry, but they're like so kind of neighbors it it's fun i, I want to see that um that said speaking of fun i want to see israel Asani versus anyone uh that guy is amazing his fucking interviews the way he talks his swagger his dance moves in the cage doing the naruto stuff with the hand signs and the anime references i love it i can't get enough israel adesanya and um in terms of picking this fight Kelvin is one of those guys that you can never really count out. Um, it's it's Chelson always says like it's hard to pick where he's good at, like what are his strengths. Other than he's like a, he was a wrestler, but he was never really like top of the heat in wrestling. And he's like boxing. Uh, he was worked on his hands. That's kind of his main thing. But more, you know, an overall aspect, he just loves to fight. And so like that's what he says. Like he's good at fighting. And so you watch Kelvin Gaston versus Jacare. And Jacare's throwing these haymakers and Kelvin's just walking right through it just like a no-sell. And I don't see Israel Adesanya doing that. So on the one hand, you can say, oh, Kelvin's got a hell of a chin. We've seen that. But then you see the kind of shots that Israel took Derek Brunson out. He himself said it, was, it wasn't even like 40%. It was like 40% power. It was just pop, just timing, just the way he just snuck it right in there. I mean, those are the shots that put you down. 
So like, I honestly, I kind of see like, if you watch Israel Adesanya versus Brad Tavares, that's the kind of fight that I see. I see, I see Kelvin trying to push the pace and, and come forward and Israel Adesanya just styling on him. Uh, at least that's what I want to see. Um, again, Kelvin is known for shocking people. Uh, he dropped Chris Weidman in the first round of their fight. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that could happen in this fight that could make me sound like a fool. But my pick for this one is going to be Israel Adesanya. Uh, I really think I really think he can get it done. Um, and anyway, that's what I'm hoping for because I want to set up the fight between uh, Israel Adesanya and, um, and Robert Whitaker. Because uh, Robert Whitaker just got cleared to train. Um, and so hopefully they can fucking keep him in bubble wrap and make that fight happen. <laughs> So let's move on to the main event of the evening. Max Holloway versus Dustin Poirier for the interim lightweight championship. Now, this is another weird interim fight because, yeah, the lightweight title was last defended in, what was that, um, October of last year. So it's been... Well, by the time this fight happens, it'll be uh, like a little more than six months. So you kind of think maybe that's enough time to do an interim, but also the fact that Khabib's still on suspension, um, I think he's clear to come back in July, but that sort of coincides with Ramadan. Like he doesn't want to do a fight around Ramadan. He would prefer to come back. And then he also said that he's not going to come back um, – before his teammate suspensions, Zubaira and uh, the other guy, whatever the, the, their um, suspensions are up, which I really think he's going to stand by. Could um, be like that kind of guy that just doesn't give a fuck. Um, so it does kind of make sense to do an interim title fight because of the time he will be out. But it doesn't. But this interim title fight doesn't really make sense because really Tony Ferguson should be in there. You know, maybe like Tony versus Dustin, or again, just make Tony versus Khabib and just fucking get that out of the way. Um, and Max Holloway is the featherweight champion. He should be fighting Alexander Volkanovsky and not having him make that fight against Aldo. I mean, I'd rather see that happen. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the matchup. Max Holloway versus Dustin Poirier is a fun-ass fight. What's interesting, um, anyone listening to this podcast this is probably, I'm assuming you're probably a hardcore fan. You probably know that um, Max lost to Dustin Poirier in his UFC debut uh, pretty dominantly. Um, Dustin had him in like a mounted triangle arm bar, which is just like disrespectful, right? I mean, that's just like so hard to do in MMA because there's a lot of factors that go into it. So when you got a mounted triangle arm bar, I mean, that's just like, and I think Dustin was a purple belt at the time. Um, so it's just crazy. But to, but to see where they both come in their careers, I mean, it's almost like that first fight doesn't even factor because you're right. Max had a couple losses. He lost to Connor, lost to Dennis Bermudez. But then after he lost to Connor, he went on a, I think he's now on a 13 fight winning streak, whatever. They, they made him go 10 in a row just to get a title shot. And then he beats Aldo twice and then just beats Brian Ortega in a fight of the year contender. I mean, Max is such a different beast than he was then. And with the amount of 
I think he stopped like 27 takedowns in a row, like over, over a cumulative amount of fights. Um, so that whole, the whole ground game doesn't even really play into it. I think, um, so you look at their striking. Dustin has great footwork and he's probably one of the best strikers Max has faced in recent years. Now he did face Pettis who had a terrible weight cut. Um, obviously Aldo's a great striker. Um, God, yeah. So I see. I keep going back on this fight every day. I'm like, maybe Max will win. Maybe Dustin will win. Um, and this is another one where I kind of got to pick with my heart, but not at the same time, because I hope Dustin wins for the sake of the division, because I'd rather see a lightweight win. And if Max wins an interim title while still holding the featherweight title, I mean, that's like fugazi if i ever saw something because right like then then what do you do do you, do you put the featherweight division on hold and make him fight habib or do you make the tony habib fight and have him go down and um def- defend the featherweight title while still having the interim title do you strip it the- like this that just fucking convolutes things to another level that i don't even want to talk about um so i kind of hope dustin wins for the sake of that but that said I want to um I want Max to win um in terms of or like that's my pick rather so so I want I want Dustin to win for the sake of the division um plus I love you know Dustin talked about you know going on a journey um he's fighting for no money his wife would drive him to the weigh-ins on the when he was on the regional scene like he's just come a long way and um he's got a kid now um, well, they both do, and and you really just want to see good guys win. But Max, he's already a champ. Um, I think that the title fight experience is going to uh, play into this a little bit. He's been in more big fights. Um, I mean, Dustin's been in some five rounders because he's had some main events recently. So it's not, I'm not talking about in terms of the number of rounds, but in terms of the title fight, like it's a different level, um, and. The knock on Dustin in the past has been like he, you know, missed out on the big ones um, when the lights are brightest. So I hope that doesn't happen. I hope he wins, but I'm going to pick Max for par- par- partially because of that reason, but also because Max is just, I think he's on another level now, the way where he's coming his career. Um, it's really hard to see him um, picking, like, or it's really hard to pick against him. Honestly, if they make the Max versus Connor rematch, I'm going to pick Max. And Connor's one of my favorite fighters, but I think Max can beat him. Like, those are the kind of matchups I want to see. I want to see Max avenge those other losses. Um, so I hope that fight happens. We need to set that up. And um, I hope Max wins. I mean, I'm picking Max to win, but I hope Dustin wins. Fuck. See, this is like, I almost want to sit on the fence. I'm like contradicting myself in the same sentence here, but I guess I'm going to go on the record and pick Max. So I, I got to stop it there because otherwise I'm going to go back and forth. But just to recap, uh, picks for the main card, I picked Owen St. Prue, Alan Joban, Khalil Roundtree, Israel Adesanya, and Max Holloway. And again, I don't mind being wrong because I like surprises. That's one of the things I love about MMA is it's so goddamn unpredictable. So I guess that's uh, we're gonna wrap up the show. Thank you for listening. Um, 
on my other podcast, I say that um, pretty much anyone listening knows me personally, but um, I actually kind of hope that's not the case with this one because, um, like I said, I, I want this podcast in some ways to be an extension of MMA Twitter. Let's support each other. Uh, let's talk about fights together. Um, if you have a podcast, tell me about it. I want to listen to it. Um, I saw on Twitter um, this one account um, – what was the the MMA nerd? Um, so I so I listened to their podcast. If you're listening, thank you. Uh, love love your podcast so far. Of what I heard, I just heard the most recent episode. Um, so yeah, let's talk about fights together. Let's support each other's podcasts. If you have one, if you don't, and you just want to listen, that's fine. Subscribe. Tell your fucking friends. Tell your neighbors. Tell Randy Gonzalez. Uh, uh, give me a fucking five star ranking uh, whenever this co- goes to Apple Podcasts. Uh, just sort of rambling here, but yeah. So I want to reiterate the email um, for sending stuff in. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at FWM underscore pod, or you can send me an email fighting with myself pod at gmail.com. Um, the email is actually in the Twitter bio as well, incidentally. Um, yeah. Thanks for listening. I love you. Uh, unless you didn't listen, then I fucking hate you, but you'll never listen to know that. So if you are listening, I love you. Um, and this is me signing off fighting with myself with Juicy Juice Jackson. Bye.